This is Handle on the Law. Marginal legal advice where I tell you you have no case. Uh, There was, or yeah, was a Burger King customer, uh, a guy out in Oregon, Curtis Bruner, was at a Burger King in Northeast Portland and was trapped for over an hour at the restaurant. And it was a mess trying to get that lock undone. He locked the door and he couldn't unlock it. Uh, some employees uh, slid a fly swatter under the door for him to try to open, pry open the lock. He cut his hand. Uh, he says the employees were laughing at him. Well, he finally got out. I think they called a locksmith. And uh, he said, you know what? This triggered my PTSD. I was too upset to drive. The cleanliness of that restaurant uh, or the bathroom was less than desirable. Uh, Highway bums use it as a changing room. It's not pleasant uh, smelling and being in there for over an hour. You smell like that when you get out. So before he leaves the restaurant, uh, one of the employees came over and said, while I was sitting uh, in uh, the lobby trying to calm down, uh, he said the manager came over, not just the employee, the manager, and said, anytime you come in here, it's a free meal on us. And I eat at Burger King almost every day, <clears throat> excuse me, almost every day, so I was grateful for the offer. So two weeks, he's taking, uh, he gets a hamburger uh, at least once a day, and the restaurant stopped comping his food. Uh, and was being instructed to stop comping by the district office. So Bruner files his lawsuit, seeking Burger King to either continue to honor the offer, that's burgers every day for the rest of his life, or pay $9,000, the cost of buying a Whopper combo, uh, once a week for 22 years. And how he figured it. Uh, He's 50 years old. A Whopper meal costs $7.89. Assuming he lives to 72, uh, the value is $9,000. Hmm. And, uh, well, uh, at this point, we don't know what Burger King is saying because it hasn't gone to court yet. But my guess is they're going to argue. I'll tell you where their defense is going to be is the manager had no authority to make that claim. And he's going to say, but that was agency. The manager represents Burger King, and I want my money. And then the court issue is going to be, is that reasonable? I don't think it's unreasonable, especially since he's asking for $9,000 for a burger meal a week. Not every day. A week for the next 22 years. Now, it's pretty speculative. Will he die of eating too many burgers, for example, and get cholesterol and pop over a heart attack? Uh, But... I got to tell you, the court may very well buy it based on the representation of the manager of uh, that Burger King restaurant. Also, eh, once a week isn't too bad. I can see uh, every day I'd go out of my mind, but once a week isn't too bad. All right, let's take some phone calls. Hey, Josh, welcome to Handle on the Law. Hey, Bill. Okay, so I I get a car loan through this credit union. And a couple years later, I get another credit uh, car loan through the same credit union. And on the second car loan, I had to forfeit the car. I did a voluntary repo, okay? And now, just a couple months ago, I paid off the first loan. And they are telling me that they can hold the title as ransom to pay off the second one. No, I don't think so. 
I mean, they're yeah, a, I mean, they're a lien holder anyway, but they're saying yeah. they they own they have title to the car. They own the car. So effectively, what you're doing is you're renting the car until I guess the rental period is over. Is it a okay. is it a purchase yeah. agreement? Absolutely. Yeah, they can't do that. They cannot yeah. do that. Yeah, and you. I, asked them, I even asked them for the paperwork, and they're kind of like hee hawing about sending no. me the contract. Yeah, they're not. No, that that doesn't work. But you already paid for the second car, right? No, sir. No, the second car was a repo. They repoed it from me. All right, so I, I'm not confused. You had a first car that you paid off. Yes, sir. They're telling me. They're telling me that they're not going to give me the car loan on the first one that I paid off until I pay until wait I a pay sec. the balance if on that repo. Wait a second. If they've repoed the car, what car loan are you paying? Is it the balance of what is owed after they sold it? No, no. Sorry, maybe I didn't explain it right. I had two car loans going with the. Same oh, I got unit. it. Oh, I see. All right, now I understand. One was one yeah. car was repoed, and the other one is in good order. But it's but the car's in your name, correct? Yeah, they never I, I they just, never put I it. Just what paid it off? So uh, they're lien holder, and they won't turn over uh, the, the they title. they will not turn over title. Well, they don't have title. Uh, what they have to do is release the lien, is what it is, because they've never had title. The title on has the always first, been on the first car. On the first car that was in good standing that I just paid off. Don't they have the title somewhere? No, they never have title. They never have title until they own the car, until they bring it back. Once it's repoed, they get title. But if you're talking about a car that's already out there, and what they're saying is we're going to keep title to the second car that we've sold you, they can't do that. Either they're selling you the car, either they're financing a sale, or they're financing a rental. Right. That's what you have to tell them. And you go, hey, if I have to get a lawyer, I'll get a lawyer. And clearly, by them not giving you the contract, someone is screwing with you that either doesn't know what the law is, uh, doesn't know the facts here, or uh, someone has tagged you and said, we're going to make Josh's life miserable and do it illegally. Uh, have, you gone exactly. to, have you gone to the president of, uh, the, uh, of the credit union yet? No. But it's time we, to do that. put a message in and they haven't called me back. Time to do that. You may need a lawyer letter. You may need a lawyer okay. later on this to do to deal with that. I, God, I love that, don't you? Marco! Where's Marco? Hello, Marco. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Hey, Bill. We lost our home uh, about five years ago, and we left our HOA owing about $5,000. They eventually sued us for it because for some reason they didn't get it in the whole lien process and the transfer. Anyway, they sued us for it. We didn't pay. They called a debtor judgment or a debtor hearing. Uh, we negotiated 2500 which we still couldn't pay. Last uh, summer, they tried to serve me, and uh, and I just was not in the office all summer. They couldn't find me. So can they file something against me or, or, or have a, a warrant issued for me or anything without no. me knowing about it? No, they're not going to have a warrant. No, they're not going to have a warrant issued. What they have is a judgment on their hands, correct? Yes. That's all they need. And they just go that's after your – that's all they need. They just go after anything you own. That's all. Okay, but there wouldn't have been a subsequent hearing that I didn't know anything about because I wasn't served. Well, maybe, maybe, but you have a a judgment uh, debtor examination so they can find your assets, but that has nothing to do other than them tracking down your assets. And if you didn't show up, now they could get a contempt hearing and they could uh, have the court order you into one, which happens all the time, and then you could be— In small claims, they can do that? No, 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 no. Did they sue you in small claims? Yes, they did. Well, that's still, but they're still, but they're still entitled to a judgment creditor examination. 
And uh, the court, uh, if they can or if they will, they'll go into court and uh, have the court issue an order to have you show up at the judgment creditor examination. And if you don't, you could be in contempt. But all of that for five grand, I mean, I don't know who does that. I really don't. But uh, you don't, so. yeah, you don't have to worry about uh, being arrested or picked up. It's just they have a judgment. They're going to go after assets. If you don't have any, you don't worry about it. This is Handle on the Law. Hey, I'm a hat, cop, full tilt, scarred hands to the hill, dog push me, grown ass man. This is KFI AM640, more stimulating talk. Bill Handle here, and welcome back to Handle on the Law, marginal legal advice. Hello, Ryan. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Awesome, man. Hey, how's it going? You got a question, Ryan? Uh, I do. Um, I'm actually on the air now. Yes. Oh, sorry, really. Um, I bought a car, um, 23,000 miles. I bought it from a Honda dealership. Um, Drove it about 5,000 miles. Got an oil change. Um, About 2,000 miles after that, engine seized. Uh, Took it to the Honda dealership or the Hyundai dealership, and they denied the warranty. And you had, uh, and you, denied the warranty. And you had a warranty, yeah. all right. And was it uh, was a warranty from the dealer, or was it a third-party warranty? Uh, well, I bought it from a Honda dealership. Oh, you bought a Hyundai um, from a Honda dealership? Yes. Okay, and so, again, did they? is there any warranty to the car? Nine months uh, or six months, an X number of miles? Uh, and you had a warranty, correct? Well, the Honda dealership went through the warranty with me from Hyundai because there's a book about when you buy a used car, the de- the warranty is supposed to like kind of roll over. All right. And so you were within warranty, and you turned it over to Hyundai, effectively, because the Honda dealership has nothing to do with it. At this point, yeah. it's uh, you and Hyundai who are arguing about their insurance company. Or there, or, or the coverage that you have from them, and you said yes. they simply denied it. Correct? They denied it for lack of maintenance from the previous owner, even though their manual states that you get an oil change every seventy five hundred miles, and I did it at five thousand miles, and I was only two thousand miles after the oil. Yeah, change. and I don't know. That's interesting. Uh, the argument is, uh, and, and that's an argument that uh, it was not maintained, and you bought it from the Honda dealer. That gets interesting now. What I would do is sue Hyundai and Honda for the cost of uh, that engine. What's it going to cost you to repair this thing? Uh, well, I've already paid it. Um, I actually, it was $5,000 to repair it. All right. And then I, I had the guy go through the engine completely. He found, there's a, apparently a, a screen from the engine, that, or the, the oil that goes into the engine, and that was so clogged with sludge. That so that I was could, never I replaced. Never known. All right. Then you have the situation of who did the uh, oil change. If anybody did the oil change, and what uh, based on that, uh, the assumption is, and I'm not a car expert, that no one ever changed the oil on that, uh, or at least never changed the screen out. Is that fair to say? Well, it's different than the filter. It's, it's actually yeah. I don't care technically. Did uh, yeah. so? Do they yeah. know who the previous owner is? Uh, they would not. They would not give me that information. Wait till you sue them. Go ahead and sue uh, sue Honda, Honda, and Hyundai for the five thousand dollars. Yeah, sue them both, yeah. Sue them both, absolutely, and let the judge figure it out. Oh, yeah, for sure. 
Hello, David. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Hi. How you doing? Uh, quick question for you. The other day, my wife and I were involved in a uh, car accident, and uh, she uh, she was driving. I was in the passenger seat. Turns out the guy, he didn't want to give us the, his insurance information. We can tell pretty quickly he was uh, drunk or at least somewhat inebriated. Um, we went ahead and called the cops. They showed up pretty quickly. Um, they got our information. They took our report, everything. Then they let us go. So we had to wait a couple of days to get the police report. We get the police report, and it turns out he was drunk. They arrested him for DUI, and he has no insurance, mm-hmm. and he and he has uh, an out-of-state license plate. All right, none of that. None of that matters. None of that matters. Okay, yeah. the, the one question I have: Do you have uninsured motorist? insurance yes oh, that's yes, it we do that's all you do so, turn it over to your own insurance yeah. company that's what it's all about he doesn't so, have insurance I mean, go ahead my, i'm sorry my, my question would be then i guess because i had to miss work and i'm gonna it's part of your damage i'd put it all work. in i'd put it all put into all in. your own absolutely you put it all into your insurance company every bit of damage that you have and then the limit is uh, what your insurance company gives you on uninsured okay. motorists, and uh, it depends on the terms of uh, the insurance policy itself. For example, uh, on my uninsured motorist policy, uh, I think I have $5,000 limit for medical costs. I mean, I don't care okay. because my family is, I have a good uh, medical insurance policy, so I don't give a rat's. I think that's uh, what they, they give as a minimum. You have to have that. And then uh, okay. reading in my policy, I also have a rental car. I also have... Um, uh, what else do I have? I'm trying to remember what it is. And but, and I don't know if I have loss of work. That I don't know. But you check. And if you do, you you get everything you can that you yeah, can, in fact, justify uh, under your uninsured motorist that they allow to give you under the policy. Uh, that's an easy one. All right. Uh, Robert. All right, Robert, you're up. Hey, Robert. Hey, how's it going, Bill? I purchased a house last year, and I'm going to get married next year. So basically, what happens when we divorce? Can she take the house? No, nope, not if it's in, not if it's in your name. So I don't, I don't need a living trust to print up nothing. I'm good to go. Uh, yeah, you're pretty. I mean, she can make some argument uh, that if she pays for the increased value of the house, she gets a percentage of that. Uh, and uh, but it's not going to be very much. Make sure you keep it in your name. And, and that's going to be very difficult. Unless uh, unless the house appreciates and it's worth a bucket of money, then she can argue from the time you, for example, let's say I'm going to just throw some figures at you. Let's say the house is worth $100,000 uh, uh-huh. when she moves in, when you live together. House is still in your name. Well, you get divorced and the house is now worth $200,000. And she says, because we had community assets, and the house has appreciated in value, I get 50% of that. It's an argument that can be made. Okay. But, but the cleanest yeah. way of doing it is that, um, and you can then argue, well, she, uh, was she, is she working? Yeah, she works. She gives me 700 dollars rent. I pay twelve fifty, and that's it. She's never going to pay more than that. Well, then that's the other argument, that actually what she's doing is, uh, is uh, effectively paying rent. That's your argument. But she, yeah, she's she, paying rent, not... I understand, uh, but after you're married, it's kind of hard to argue that your wife is paying you yeah. rent. Uh, but you should be okay. Uh, she may end okay. up getting some of it, but the way to minimize that is to uh, make sure it's never, ever, ever any time in her name. Isn't that lovely? 
This is Handle on the Law. marginal legal advice where I tell you you have absolutely no case. Phone numbers, 800-520-1KFI, 800-520-1534. We still have a few lines open. Hello, Renee. Welcome. Hey, thank you. Yes. Hey, Bill, a couple of years ago, I gave an attorney a, uh, a retainer of about $3,500. Um, the DA never filed any charges or filed any complaints. Um, I paid him with a visa. Can I ask for that $3,500 back? Well, it depends. Did you sign a retainer? Yes. Okay. And the, does the retainer say that it's against an hourly, or does the retainer say this is a flat fee that I handle up to, for example, a preliminary hearing? It said a flat fee. Yeah, you're out of luck. That's what you paid him. You basically bought an insurance policy that says no matter what happens. Now, you can argue that he did nothing and go ahead and demand your $2,500 back and sue him in small claims court and see what he says. But he's going to argue to the judge, Your Honor, uh, I took $2,500 and you can't have it both ways. Because if it turned out that it was an enormous amount of work, I still had to do it for $2,500. And it just so happens this one, it panned out for him. And uh, we'll see what happens. All you can do is demand it, take it to small claims court. Do I think you're going to win? I don't know. Depends on the judge. Now, because I paid him with a visa, can I How long ago did you pay him with a visa? How many months Uh, ago? Probably about four years ago. Four years ago you paid him with a visa. How about this one? Uh, If it's after four years from the time you actually paid him, you have nothing. You're done. Why would you wait four years to uh, all of a sudden bring this up? Yeah, I had a lot of things going on. I'll bet. Four years worth. Yeah, Yeah. well, you're so out of luck, it's uh, astounding. God, I love that. Why not call me back 14 years afterwards? Hi, Georgia. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Thank you. Uh, I had a knee replacement seven months ago, and it was put in crooked. So I went through all the therapy. For like six months, and the doctor thought maybe he put the wrong spacer in, and so he wanted to do it again. I didn't want him touching my legs, so I got a second opinion, and the second opinion doctor referred me to USC, to another doctor, and he said, well, your leg is deformed. So I went to USC and had 
uh, March, I had my leg fixed. How did the they? Right way. How did it fix? Uh, if your leg was deformed, it was deformed due to the first surgery. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, every time I'd step on it, my knee would turn All right. in. All right. So and none of the therapy that I went through was going to help it. All right. So you ended up going and having a second surgery, and they fixed it, right? Yes. All right. Yes. What was the time between the first surgery and the second surgery? How much time elapsed? Uh, seven months. Seven months. All right. So what's your question? Okay. Is there? How do I report this doctor, or would it do any good to report? Nah, him? it doesn't do any good. Report him for what? Okay. Making making a mistake. Yeah. Yeah, you know, people are, you know, okay. what, what do you do with that? What are they going to do? You made a mistake. We're taking away your license? Well, no, that's not going to happen. Right. I so, care. I mean, you can report them all you want, and yeah. uh, he's going to say, that's not true. I did it right. And, you know, he'll argue with that. Uh, okay. And that's the okay. same thing. Now, you may have a malpractice case for having to undergo a second surgery uh, and seven months of therapy that you didn't have to do. So, you may want to talk to a malpractice attorney. Although the malpractice uh-huh. attorney would much, much have uh, rather you lost your leg. That's a decent case. Oh, okay. <laughs> but unfortunately, you didn't. So uh, you're going to see a, a rather, oh, with a malpractice attorney. Gosh, I wish it was a lot more serious. All right, Helena, welcome. Or Helena, welcome. Yes, hi. Uh, I have a quick question. Yes, ma'am. My son, uh, as I told the guy who I talked to, graduated from uh CSUN several years ago. But anyways, now at 35, he's come down with kidney disease. He's mm. on dialysis three times a week. And they're, they're taking, he was trying to pay a little at a time back, you know, after he graduated. But now he can't pay anything at all. He only gets 900 for disability. Pay what? What is he? What are we talking about paying? Uh, his student loans. I'm ah, sorry. student loans. Got it. Yeah. And right. so they've so now they've taken a hundred dollars out of what of the his disability ah okay to pay for his student loans I'm yeah. sorry I'm not being very clear yeah you weren't but and I understand so I, now he and thinks it's hopeless maybe but you know it's worth it's worth going through and uh, doing some research there may be a waiver under those circumstances where right. uh, the uh, the loan is. Uh, forgiven based on what he is going through and you're talking about is it a private loan or is it a government loan did he borrow from a bank with the government no. guaranteeing it or he borrowed it's directly from the government it, it was that's good government loan. okay that helps a lot so you get to find out uh, are there any waivers involved and if there aren't any waivers invo- involved he's out of luck they right. have they right. have a right to do that so uh, my guess is there may be a waiver somewhere in there uh because uh, it just smells like there should be. So you get to do some research, put in waivers. Uh, you do a, an Internet search, put a browser search in there, and put in waivers, student loans, uh, medical disability, and uh, just throw in all the words you can think of, and uh, some information will come out. Hi, John. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Good morning. My question involves a friend of mine who, is uh, divorced and is receiving uh, child support for her minor child. Uh, now, as I know, I think everybody knows, that's supposed to stop when you when the child's 18. Not necessarily. But that's my question. Yeah, not but, necessarily. Because I'm looking I, at the computer screen. The kid's going to college, right? Uh, well, yeah. This she does. And is the child living at home with mom? Yes. All right, so she's supporting him still. Her, yes. Okay, or her, the daughter. 
Okay, uh, now the original divorce decree uh, held that child support was only going to go until uh, she is 18. Is that correct? Yes. All right, well, uh, it's harder to go into court now uh, than to have argued originally because there are court orders, there are divorce decrees that it goes, uh, child support goes until 18 or until college. And uh, the person who's paying the child support could be responsible all the way through college. Either way, uh, you can always go into court. She can always go into court and ask for an adjustment of child support. The court always keeps jurisdiction. It doesn't matter what agreement is made. It doesn't matter what happened in the past. It doesn't matter what promises are made. None of that matters. You can always go and adjust child support. So she has to go in and make that argument. That she still right, so the court order would have to be modified. Yes, the court order has to be modified. That's the only way this is going to go. So it's time to get her butt into court and make the argument. Is it going to work? I don't know. I'd give it to you if I'm the judge, but, you know, what are the chances of me ever becoming a judge? This is Handle on the Law. Give me like a time Welcome back to KFI AM640, more stimulating talk. This is Handle on the Law. Phone numbers, 800-520-1KFI, 800-520-1534. We still have a few lines open. Is that Jariel? Yes. All right, it's an interesting name, Jariel. All right, what can I do for you? Yes, um, I have a question. My, um, I'm a truck driver. I got pulled over not too long ago. Uh, about a month ago, they said, uh, supposedly I was going over the speed limit, 66. But on my truck, what I was driving, it says 55. Come to the point that I checked the speedometer, it says that, um, you know, it's offset. It's not in the right place. And I got a court date. What should I do? Can you prove that the speedometer is broken? Um, that same day I took a picture and I actually took the truck back to the company and, uh, they're working on, on replacing it. So All right. Can I, you get a, can I'm you a get a, can you get a statement from the company saying that uh-huh. it's, uh, that the speedometer is off and we had to repair it and it under, and what it does is understate the speed that the truck is going. Can you get that kind of a statement? Um, I'll try to. I'll yeah, try you to have to, because otherwise, Jerry, you have no case. Yes. Because the yes, judge is yes. not going to sit sit and believe you. It's my dog ate the homework argument okay. that you have. So, but if you can what say. What about the picture? Should picture that one? A picture of what? What are you taking a picture of? Of the speedometer like that. The same. It has the date and everything that I took the picture the same day. Uh, uh, but what does it show? It shows that the speedometer is off phase. Now how do, how does it. Wait a sec. The picture shows the speedometer is off phase. What is the picture of? Of the speedometer. Okay, and so is and the speedometer. You have a picture of a speedometer, and the speedometer is at zero at that point. Is it at fifty? No, it's all is way under the zero. Ah, it's under the zero. 
Got it. Yep. All right. You should have said that. I think that helps. I absolutely, I think that helps your case a lot. And on top of that, if you can get the company to say, yes, uh, we realize that the speedometer is uh, not functioning because Jariel told us that it wasn't functioning and you plead not guilty for speeding, I think you got a good shot at it. I really do. Bring as much as you can to the court. Okay, I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, no, that's a, that's actually a decent case uh, to argue innocence. You put all of that together. And the cop's innocent on this. I mean, the cop just tagged him for doing 66 miles an hour. What does a cop know about the speedometer being broken? But you put all of that together. If I'm the judge, I'm going to give it to him. Hey, Jonathan, welcome to Handle on the Law. Yes, sir. Uh, hey, Bill, you're going to have to um, excuse me a little bit. I'm a little nervous talking to you. As well you should uh, be. <laughs> um, well, uh, well, here we go. Um, I was in a car accident about a little less than two months ago. Um, I wasn't the guilty party. I was rear-ended on the freeway. Um, the, the, um, the other person's insurance immediately uh, took responsibility, immediately accepted liability. And, um, well, it was my first accident. I'm, I'm a pretty young guy. I'm, I've never been in one. So I made the mistake of calling my insurance and having one of my adjusters come out to assess the damage and, 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 and cut me a check. Well, um, well, wait, wait. Why would, if the other side admitted liability, why would you call your insurance company? Um, because that's the first thing that I did. As soon as I got home, that's what I did. I went, I filed my claim. And they were like, okay, well, we're going to talk to the other insurance adjuster. And I didn't, I, like I said, um, I, it's just ignorance on my part. I didn't really right. know what to do. So what happened? And so you went so you went ahead and called your insurance company, and they cut you a check, right? Yeah. And throughout the entire process, they were fighting me. They were fighting the uh, the body shop. They, they, they wanted to replace my, because uh, my exhaust and my bumper were both damaged. And uh, they wanted to replace my parts with used parts. And I have a newer car. And uh, they, they wanted to, like, they were just trying to lowball me. You know, they were just trying to lowball me. And I didn't understand why. I, I, I didn't get it. You know, I was like, well. well. okay, here's what they're doing. And like any insurance company does, they want to pay the least amount uh, of money possible. And uh, right. what will happen is uh, in your insurance company, in your insurance policy, what you've done is, and that's everybody, if they pay you, they have a right to go after the person that actually hit you. It's a subrogation right. Right. So uh, here's your problem, I think. When you accepted the check, I think you signed a document, a release that said this releases the defendant fully from any amount of money that's owed. I see. And if you've done that, it's over. It's right. over. And it's interesting that the insurance company didn't go after the other insurance company, didn't say, hey, you were rear-ended, don't talk to us. You only talk to us if he's uninsured. And if there is an insurance company, let them write the check. So I don't know what happened on that one, but for you to uh, immediately accept the check from them and release all liability, that's a problem. So you have a fight uh, here. You should have said, no, I'm not going to take used parts. And then they're going to point out the policy that says we're allowed to uh, use uh, refurbished parts, which I don't understand because you can say no and just have a fight with them. So uh, you did everything wrong. Right. All right, Jonathan. Oh. Yeah, you screwed yourself. Uh, congratulations. Hi, Mary. Mary, you're up. Yes. Welcome. Yes, ma'am. Yes. Approximately 50 years ago, the residents of my town voted to have the gasoline tax 
cover the cost of resurfacing the streets in front of our homes. Is that still binding? Uh, yeah, probably. I don't know why it wouldn't be. Uh, the tax is still there until it's rescinded. Sure. Why, why do you want to know? Well, for about eight years, the roads haven't been resurfaced. All right, so you talk to the city, so you talk to the city council and go, what's going on? And they may very well say, uh, no, uh, it doesn't need resurfacing. That's one of their calls. The other way is the way they wrote the bill, uh, the way they wrote the ordinance, is if there are X number of dollars that are left in that account, it flows over to the general fund, or it has to only be used for surface repairs. And if there's enough money in it, they can rewrite uh, that particular uh, ordinance and simply lower the tax or eliminate it completely. So there's a bunch of things they can do, but I, the answer is yes, it's still valid. Thank you. So go talk to uh, the city council. Okay, this is Handle on the Law.